Let's get our Bibles. Let's go together to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're continuing our sermon series, unpacking our statement of faith, which is just a summary of the major beliefs and teachings we hold to as a church and as Christians. Last week, we unpacked and looked at the Holy Spirit and his sanctifying, saving work that he does in us, pointing us to Jesus as Savior and how he helps us in in our lives as believers. Today, we continue walking through that statement of faith. Now we come to the Holy Spirit and his empowering work. Now we know that the Spirit is not some intangible force. The Spirit is God. And through the work of the Spirit, God empowers his people. And that power is given for many different purposes, maybe even in ways that God uses you with that power that you might not even recognize sometimes. The Spirit empowers us to be witnesses with the gospel. Jesus promised that in Acts 1, that he would send the Spirit and that would give us power to be his witnesses. The Spirit empowers us to grow in sanctification, that process of growing to be more and more like Jesus throughout our lives. The Spirit empowers us as we read God's Word, that He illuminates God's Word, like turning a flashlight onto Jesus. The Holy Spirit does that with the written Word. These are all wonderful, important aspects of the empowerment of the Spirit and how that functions practically in the life of the Christian. Today, I'd like to focus on the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, in particular, how he empowers every believer to help edify or encourage and and build up the church through the gifts of the Spirit or the spiritual gifts. Now, as a church, we believe that Scripture teaches that the gifts of the Spirit continue to function in the life of the church today, and that every Christian has been given at least one gift, and some Christians have more than one gift, so that we will edify, encourage the church, and that we would glorify the name of Jesus. Now, we know this, is, this can be a controversial topic. Not all Christians believe the same way about this, or maybe just about anything else. But the good news is this is not a salvation issue. We can believe different things about the gifts of the Spirit and still be faithful followers of Jesus. Heaven's going to be filled with people on both sides of this topic, of this issue. However, I do believe what we think and what we believe about the gifts of the Spirit are important. God takes great pleasure in calling us to do things that we cannot do. Just think back in your life for just a moment. You know how true that is. He loves to take us and call us to do something we cannot do. Can't do in our strength, can't do in our wisdom, our planning, our power. God loves to do that. He loves to call people to, for his purposes who already know they are not able. Why does he do that? Because when anything good happens from those situations. Any fruit we're able to see, it's very obvious to us and everyone else, that's God. (laughs) He did that. 
So God gets all the glory in those situations. If it's something we can do on our own, it doesn't mean God's not in that. It just means that if we can do it in our own strength, we, we think we don't need God, we're going to be less likely to give him glory. But when God calls us to do the impossible, because nothing is impossible with him, then he automatically gets the glory. And it teaches us to be more dependent on him, to have stronger faith in him, knowing that when God walks us through times like that, we know firsthand just how powerful he is. I think that's just one reason why it's vital for what we believe about spiritual gifts in order to be a a healthy church, in order for us to really go on mission together and for us to encourage each other and edify the church, it's really important that we not only have a biblical understanding of the gifts, but also a practical application of the gifts. Now, that's just one of the reasons the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit, wrote this letter of 1 Corinthians. Now, this church, the Corinthian church, they were struggling, to put it mildly, They were struggling with selfishness and immaturity and divisions, things that just would blow our minds, like they would argue over which preacher they preferred, and not just, you know, in in polite circles, like, you know, when Nate preaches, that really encourages me, or Josh preaches, that really encourages me. But it would be like them saying, I follow Josh, not Scott. I follow Nate, not Josh. And they're like divisions in their church over that. They were dividing over Christian liberties that instead of walking out humility, instead of holding on to their own liberties for the sake of others, they were just flaunting those liberties and causing offense for no reason. Then they were getting very practical with their divisions and taking each other to court. People in the same congregation fighting over things. And and so the spiritual gifts, that was just one more category they were dividing over. Instead of glorifying Jesus and serving one another with gifts, the Corinthians were taking some of the more visible gifts, some of the more verbal gifts like speaking in tongues or teaching, and they were elevating those to such a point that they were creating a two-tier Christianity. If you've got speaking gifts, well, you're the ones who are really important. Everybody else, you just need to be more like us. And so Paul is bringing some much-needed correction so that they would walk in the spiritual gifts as God intended for the reasons God gave the gifts to the church. Now, let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and then we're going to pray. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. 
to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your word. And thank you for sending the Spirit to dwell in us and to work through us. This morning we pray, Lord, that you would truly illuminate your word, give us understanding, help us to conform our hearts, our minds, our opinions, our preferences. May all those conform to you, Jesus, and what you're doing in your church and how you have chosen to build your church so that we would all see you, Lord, more clearly and give you the praise you deserve and to bring more people into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Sounds like an ice cream truck's coming down the road. We know that even, uh, even in our best days, we get tired. E- even when we would say we are leaning on Jesus and, and trusting in Jesus and our, our souls can be encouraged, it's just part of life that we're going to get discouraged. We're going to feel depleted. We're going to need encouragement. It doesn't mean that we suddenly have forgotten all the good that God has done, but we need encouragement. No one ever matures beyond the need for encouragement. No one grows to a point that we don't need reminding of the beautiful truths of the gospel. And therefore, no one ever outgrows the need for the church, for the one anothering, to encourage us in the faith. And so through the power of the Spirit, the kindness of the Lord to give us the Spirit to live in us and dwell in us, God is pleased through the power of the Spirit to minister to one another, to unify the body, to encourage us by pointing us all to Jesus. Now, I just want you to hold on to this simple thought today, and you'll likely hear it repeated. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us to glorify God and edify one another. That simple truth. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to us to glorify God and to edify one another. Now, this passage of Scripture that you likely have studied before, there's so much that could be drawn from these 11 verses. I'm just going to want to focus on three specific truths about the spiritual gifts that I hope will serve you this morning. The first is this. Spiritual gifts are for the church today. Paul starts out by saying in verses 1 and 2, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Some translations say ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. As we've already explored, the Christians in Corinth were failing in many areas. And one of those areas Paul points to is more of one of the causes of why they are failing, that they're holding on to some old sinful attitudes from their BC life before Jesus, before Christ. They're, they're holding on to some old pagan attitudes. They were once led astray to idols. And in that pagan lifestyle, one of the, one of the measures of that lifestyle that God rescued them from was that if it felt good, do it. Whatever I think is good, whatever's good for me, whatever elevates my status in society, I'm just going to do that. I don't care about everybody else. It's all about me. And so Paul is challenging them. That's not 
the mindset that Christ has given us. I think that's a helpful snapshot and reminder for us that past experience must never cloud our judgment or determine our doctrine. Whether that past experience is something where concerning spiritual gifts, maybe you're like me and you've seen spiritual gifts abused. In the tradition I grew up in, that was that was the case. A lot of good things God did and people that I love and, and appreciate and helped me grow in the gospel, but there was an element of a Corinthian vibe going on in the church I grew up in. There was an elevation of the gifts to an unhelpful standard, to a, to a self-centered type in result. Now, if that's you, if you've seen the gifts abused, well, then it's no mystery. You're going to be pretty suspicious about how the gifts would be used today. Maybe even through that abuse, you've come to the conclusion you would rather not even deal with spiritual gifts, and let's leave that into the mystery category and untouched. But is that the right response? When you look at any other gift, is that how we respond when those gifts are abused? You take the gift of leadership. There have been plenty of deceptive leaders, but we don't dismiss the gift of leadership because it was abused. There have been plenty of false teachers in the church, but we don't take that and say, well, therefore, I don't even want to talk about the gift of teaching. The right response would be, Lord, help us to walk in this in a manner that pleases you, that lines up with Scripture, that points to Jesus, and truly does edify the body, not draw attention to the person. Now, that could kind of ring kind of hollow from a guy standing up in front of a bunch of people with a spotlight shining in my face. Well, that's fine for you to say. If I teach and preach and pastor in such a way that it elevates me, I'm doing it wrong and I need to stop doing it. But it doesn't mean that the gift has no use if it's public or private. It means why those gifts are used are tantamount to glorifying God. So whether our experience has been good or bad, we never want experience alone to be the measure as to what we believe, the measure of creating sound biblical teaching or understanding it from God's word. We never want experience to be that measure. We want God's word to be that measure. And so when Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed, to be uninformed could lead to two extremes. It could lead to the extreme like the Corinthians where they're overemphasizing it and making it some status symbol, it being gifts. But there's also another extreme that is included in not being uninformed, and that is not knowing the gifts are for today and therefore neglecting them, or denying them, or rejecting them. And therefore, we're missing a large part of how God wants to bless his church through one another, and how God wants to bless you as he uses you. And so, when Paul is bringing this correction, and these Christians are abusing the spiritual gifts, If the remedy to abusing the gifts is to stop them altogether, this would have been Paul's next instruction. Stop it. He would have said, Corinthians, you're abusing the gifts. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to rip the church apart. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to stop all the gifts. And then he could have added on to it. And by the way, Corinthians, when the apostles die out, all the miraculous gifts are going to die out anyway. So just stop it now. Get a head start since you're so messed up. Get a head start and stop it now. He didn't say any of those things. But what's remarkable 
is Paul takes the next three chapters, more space, more time in this letter than any other one topic. He takes the next three chapters to teach these messed up folks the right use of the spiritual gifts. He doesn't ban them. In fact, he says just the opposite. He says, like a gift with tongues, that they were really messing up. He comes to the conclusion at the end of correcting them, saying, by the way, don't forbid speaking in tongues. Isn't that remarkable? And then he goes on to say, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts in chapter 14. He's telling a people who are overly focused on the gifts, don't forbid them and earnestly desire them. So the correction is not banishing. The correction is glorifying God and edifying the church. Amen? Now, that's just, those are just some examples, I think, some uh, pointing us to why the gifts are for today. Let's look at a second truth we see in this passage. Spiritual gifts have different functions, but all are meant to point us to Christ. Verse 3, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, it could, at first glance, look like Paul went off topic. I, I thought, wait, I thought we were talking about spiritual gifts, and now he's talking about somebody saying Jesus is accursed or Jesus is Lord. He doesn't go off topic. He's hitting the bullseye. What he's doing here is he's revealing and reminding us of the central work of the Spirit, and that is to point us to Jesus. We unpacked that last week, how the Spirit, through the miracle of regeneration, makes our heart alive, points us to our sin and our need for a Savior, that Jesus truly did die for our sin, and we place our faith in him, and we're forgiven, and we're washed clean, and we're adopted into his family. That's the Spirit's work. And remember, the greatest miracle we will ever see in this lifetime is the miracle of salvation. A sinner becoming a saint. Someone who is dead, made alive in the Spirit and following Jesus. That's the kind of miracle we want to see more and more of. More water baptisms, more people joining the church. Because it's reminding us the work of the Spirit is ongoing. But with the Corinthians, they were using their gifts to draw attention to themselves and not to Christ. Speaking gifts like teaching or prophecy or tongues. They were elevating themselves over those that did not have those gifts. And Paul's saying here, you're missing the point. Genuine gifts of the Spirit are going to be different with every Christian. We're not the same. We're not meant to be. But in that diversity, God brings unity. And that unity is rooted in the person of God himself because we're all being pointed to Christ. Different ways, different testimonies, different gifts, but we're all being pointed to Christ. Notice, notice even in verse 4 how the Trinity is represented. Now there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Isn't that interesting? The three persons of God seen here, Father, Son, Spirit, which gives us another picture of different yet unified. That Jesus wants his church to reflect the character and nature of God. And one way we do that is we see each other equal in value, but different in our function, in our gifts, and yet still unified as one in Christ. Here's an example of how that would look. 
how one gift can look different in different Christians. Let's take the gift of teaching. Some might have a gift to teach in front of a congregation on a Sunday morning. That same gift of teaching could manifest differently in someone teaching a classroom full of kids. Still another use of that teach, uh, the, the teaching gift could be a parent teaching their own children in their home. Others, it could be a teaching moment where you're sitting down one-on-one with Bibles open and you're helping a person understand the truths of God's Word. All those could be equal applications or equal uh, manifestations of the gift of teaching, but look different ways and used in different venues. Is, is one of those more important than the other? Is one of those more valuable to God than the other? No. It's the teaching gift because if it's being used as God intended, it's pointing others to Jesus and it's encouraging one another. So wherever your gift may lie, never value it based on how many people see that gift at one time. Sometimes your gift is going to be used in front of a bunch of people at one time and sometimes your gift is going to be used with one person for years and seeds planted And who knows, God may take that one person and reach multitudes. Don't diminish your gift by the audience that that gift is being received by. So as we see these varieties, as we see all of this happening, we're being pointed to Jesus with all of these different gifts. Our statement of faith puts it this way. The variety of these gifts reflects the diversity of the members of Christ's body and demonstrates our need for one another. The gifts are not to be exercised with apprehension, pride, or disorder, but with faith, love, and order, and always in submission to the authority of Scripture as the final revelation of God. There's diversity in the gifts, some public, some private, but all are valuable and all are given by God for His good purposes. And that brings us to the third truth that we want to unpack from this text. Spiritual gifts are given for the good of all. Look at verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So as we said, every Christian has at least one spiritual gift or ability that the Spirit has supernaturally equipped you with. And that's not simply for your benefit. It's given to bless others. One thing that Scripture is clear about concerning pastors, we are not called to do all the work of ministry. But the Bible makes it clear, pastors are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. The body is supposed to minister to the body. That means that as pastors, one of our main callings is to help you be equipped to minister to each other. It's to help you be able to counsel one another, to help you share the gospel with the lost, to help you encourage each other and help mature each other and disciple each other in the faith. Now, that may, that may sound like a shock or that may sound like, well, of course, that's what we're called to do. In fact, there was a large portion of our pastor's retreat that we just got back from. Thank you, by the way, for those who were praying for us. God met us. But a large part of that retreat was exploring and planning and praying on, Lord, how can we do a better job of equipping the saints and of making room for more gifts and seeing more people function and how you've called them to function so that the church can bring you more glory and our body can be more edified and nobody falling through the cracks. Well, this is how. 
everybody walking in the gift and the calling and the ministry that God has given to every Christian. Now, there are a couple of examples. One, one would be like on a Sunday morning. You say, well, you know, the kind of one guy preaching and a couple of people singing and some people teaching classrooms and greeting. And if I'm not doing that, what am I supposed to do on a Sunday morning? Well, here's an example. And again, this might be a little strange, but if you've been with us any length of time, this, this shouldn't be. This little microphone right here, we call this a participation mic. Now, it doesn't get used as often as I'd like, but the purpose of that microphone is in line of the New Testament example we see of when Christians came together, they were encouraged to each bring a song, bring a scripture, bring a word of encouragement, bring a prophecy, so that the whole gathering would be edified. Now, we try to help in that, as usually me standing here, but there's, there's usually going to be a pastor near the mic that if you come in on a Sunday morning and you just believe God has given you something to share with the church, well, then you can come down and you can share that with the pastor here, and we'll discern together. And more times than not, as we're discerning, okay, Lord, is this for today? Is this for your people? Is this for right now? Then we send that person to the microphone and The music is paused for a moment, and that person shares, and the church is edified. Now, if we just get stuck in that moment and say, and and, and maybe you see somebody walk down here, and you say, oh, I could never do that. Or maybe you're watching like, oh, are they going to be turned away and do the walk of shame all the way back to their seats? Let's, Let's just, let's remove all that fear. My question is, what is God speaking? What has he spoke to you through his word through the week that might not be just for you? Maybe God put something on your heart so that you would go find one individual and you can tell them one-on-one, and that's a beautiful thing. But there are times that not just pastors, but the church comes in after praying for the church and preparing our hearts to participate. God gives us something to share with the body. And it could be something as simple as reading Scripture. But be open to that. Be aware that God wants the body to minister to the body. That's just one small example. Paul says, everything should be done decently and in order. Decently and in order. That means there's purpose behind it, and it's aligning with the purposes of glorifying Jesus and edifying one another. We don't have people fighting over this microphone. We don't have people coming up, pushing me out of the way. No, I have a sermon to preach. Somebody jumping up on stage, taking Nate's guitar. I want to sing a song. That's not decently and in order. But when they are done decently and in order, it's a beautiful thing, and it all works together for the good of all. Now, beyond Sundays, think about your life every day. Being mindful and prayerful to serve others. That could be in your school. That could be your job. That could be your neighborhood. That could be your household. One big switch that happens in our hearts where the Spirit will use us in a much more consistent way is when our minds stop dwelling on us. And we actually begin praying for other people. It could start as simple as that. Maybe you're not even praying, Lord, what is my spiritual gift? And and help me do something miraculous that I couldn't do otherwise. Maybe it's as simple as you thinking about someone in the church or someone in your life. And God puts on your heart to pray for that person. Well, there's a reason for that. In that moment, it's exhibiting the body ministering to the body. You're praying for a Christian. Or if you're praying for someone who's not saved, it's an example of how you are owning the mission and you're praying for that person's salvation. And if God put them on your heart, it very likely could be God wants you to go to that person and share the gospel. 
So as we begin to think of others and not just ourselves, we have needs and there's no shame in bringing those needs to the Lord. We're commanded to do that. But if that's all we do, well, it won't be a surprise if, we're, if our gifts go unexplored, unrecognized, because the gifts are going to be recognized as you reach outside of yourself and you're looking to minister grace and encouragement to others. Now, you've probably been waiting on this list. We're not going to go into detail, but this list of some of the spiritual gifts are in front of us, starting at verse 8. Let's look at the sample list. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge through the same Spirit. Now, honestly, we have no idea what these gifts are. They're not mentioned anywhere else in Scripture. Most likely, it's the supernatural ability to speak wisdom or to speak with knowledge in a way that is only done with God's empowerment. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. This is not just the saving faith that every Christian is given, but there's a measure of faith where some people just seem to exhibit this profound trust in God when it doesn't make any sense. That's a gift of faith. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. I think that's just what it sounds like, to pray for someone suffering or who is sick, and they're healed. Verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. That's a broad category that could say any supernatural ability, maybe apart from healing. To another, prophecy. I like Wayne Grudem's definition I've used in the past of prophecy is speaking what God has spontaneously brought to mind. Now, that deserves its own sermon, but suffice it to say, the gift of prophecy, when used biblically, is never presented presented as equal to Scripture, but always must line up under the authority of Scripture, and as Paul commands, be discerned with the written Word of God. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. This is the ability to know when God is at work in a situation or the enemy is at work, and to encourage one another with that knowledge. To another, various kinds of tongues and another interpretation of tongues. Again, that deserves its own sermon. But the gift of tongues, the the supernatural ability to speak in a language previously unknown to the speaker, is a gift. Now, if it's going to be spoken publicly in church, the Bible teaches it must be accompanied by the gift of interpretation. Why? So that the whole church can understand and be edified. If the whole, whole church can't understand it, then it's not meant to share publicly. Now, those are just some of the spiritual gifts. We have other lists in the Bible that are equally supernatural. Lists like the ones in Romans 12, where gifts of serving are listed, and gifts of teaching, and encouraging, and giving. You know, giving is a gift? And leadership, and acts of mercy. Now, those gifts, they're a little more self-explanatory, right? I think they're just what they sound like. They don't sound as flashy as the ones in 1 Corinthians, but they're just as supernatural because they come from a supernatural God. They come to bring ministry and encouragement to one another in a supernatural way. Now, as I just kind of rattled through that Romans list, you might have thought, oh, now, I like that list. That's the one I can connect to because, you know, I'm a little more introverted, and and when you talk about tongues and prophecy, that's just not me. Oh, but you talk about serving, that's me. By the way, that's beautiful. We have a church full of people with a gift of serving. But in that, let me just encourage you. When you look at gifts of the Spirit in Scripture, don't use your personality as a limitation to what God can do through you. God loves to call introverts to preach. 
God loves to call extroverts to be intercessory prayer warriors and servants. God can use your personality, but remember, God's not limited by it. After all, when an introvert stands up to preach, he knows it's only by God's grace. So whatever your personality, God wired you that way, know that God wants to use you beyond your personality as well. Here's a beautiful picture we had this morning. We have members, new members standing up here. And so when I see that, I'm, I'm reminded of how wonderful and faithful God is to bring different stories and different people to join together in the mission. And one of the things that my, my heart goes to when we're welcoming new members is I begin to think, I wonder where these people are gifted. I wonder what specific calling God has put in them. Because I believe this, I believe that whatever needs a congregation has, God loves to meet those needs through the gifts of the people in that church. Do you believe that? It doesn't mean people outside our church can't benefit us and we benefit them, of course we can. But I just believe the core needs of our church are going to be met by the needs or by the gifts of the people that God has put in our church. So now the spotlight's on you. I wish I could turn that one, point to you. The spotlight's on you now. What gift, what ability, what leaning has God put inside you that maybe isn't being used? Either you've never discovered it, or you know you have certain gifts, but for whatever reason, you've not walked in those gifts. I believe today can be a line in the sand, a good one, where we say, Lord, I don't want to be idle with my gift anymore. Sometimes it's as simple as having a heart prepared, like when we gather on a Sunday, that we're not coming in to spectate. We're not giving in to consumer Christianity where we're just going to get together and see how much we can amass for ourselves. No, we're coming with a mindset to give. We're coming with a mindset to serve, to minister to others. Verse 11 says, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know what that means practically? We can't brag. We can't boast in what God does through us. It's all him. And at the same time, you don't need to feel guilty or condemned or less than if your gift isn't as flashy or as public as someone else's because he gives gifts as he wills. The real question is, are you using it faithfully to glorify Jesus and encourage others to see him? That's the question. Our statement of faith says, Christ loves the church, his body, and provides for its health and growth through the Holy Spirit. In addition to giving new life, the Spirit sovereignly bestows gifts on every believer. Spiritual gifts are those abilities and expressions of God's power given by his grace for the glory of Christ and the building up of the church. A beautiful summary of what we've seen this morning. So let me close with this practical encouragement. If you're sitting here this morning and you say, Pastor, I appreciate what you're saying, but practically I have no idea what my spiritual gift is. If that's you, here, here are a couple of ways I would encourage you to explore that. One way is to just think for a moment when you are encouraging others, 
without thinking about it, without looking at a manual or a book or taking some inventory personality thing, what do you just naturally do if you come across somebody who is in need, whether they're discouraged or their, their faith is low or maybe an unbeliever? What do you do that just seems to be natural? Do you open up your Bible and go through a passage of Scripture and want to expound on it? Could be your gift of teaching. Do you enter into that pain and you, you want to just grab them by the hands and say, you know what, Jesus feels that pain. He's with you in it. And you just go into a gift of encouragement. Maybe that's your gift. Some of you think very helpfully, oh, this person has been, been struggling and, and, and they probably need some help around the house. Maybe I can come over and help them clean or cook them a meal or keep their kids and let them have some time alone. That's a gift of serving. Do you realize how supernatural those moments are? So I would wager that most of you have been functioning in a spiritual gift and you didn't even know it. You're giving God glory. You're pointing people to Jesus in ways that you just thought that's who I am, not realizing it's who the Holy Spirit is in you. So if you're doing that, keep it up. Maybe with this understanding, you can do it even more for the glory of God, knowing in that moment, this isn't me, my personality, my bend, my upbringing. This is Jesus in me. This is the Spirit pointing others to Jesus. And if you still would like some help understanding what your gift is, find somebody that knows you well, a, a good friend, a spouse, maybe a pastor, and just ask them, what do you see in me in that way when I'm encouraging others, where, where I'm fruitful in? What do you see? And you'll be surprised at what others see in you that maybe you don't see yourself. Whatever that is, let us run that race. Let us faithfully get up and run with what Jesus has given us. The Great Commission is impossible in our own strength. But it is a glorious, assured reality when we are walking in the power of the Spirit. To come together in a group like this and for everybody to leave encouraged, that is impossible in natural abilities. We don't lean on those it's impossible for one man to make, make a difference in everybody's life, but everybody making a difference in everybody's life, that's the church. So this morning, whatever God has called you to, run with it. Run with faith. Run with courage. Forget the fear. Forget what everybody might think. Run with faith to glorify Jesus and watch him edify his church through you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, only you could have thought up this plan. Only you could build your church in this way. Lord, wherever our questions may land, wherever our differences may be, we pray there would be no division in our church over this area or any other, but that together, wherever you've gifted us, may we be faithful stewards of that gift May we walk in faith, glorifying you and pointing others to you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.